0: Floods, droughts, locusts, climate change. There is a lot going on in and around us in Africa and superfast. We're all seeing and feeling the effect it has on how we eat, move around, and even how we can make a living. For this reason, join me Sophie Mbogwa, a Kenyan environmental journalist, for our weekly podcast, The Africa Climate Conversations. Africa Climate Conversations aims at helping you understand what climate change is all about, how it affects you and your family, what is being done in Africa, and what you can do to adapt and mitigate to its impacts no matter where you are in Africa. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Africa Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Last week, we touched on the effect climate change has on sectors such as energy, agriculture, water, oceans, and coastal ecosystems. This week, how does climate change affect you individually? I'm so glad that Dr. Zablon Owiti is back with us today to discuss this. Dr. Owiti, welcome back and thank you so much for coming.
1: Uh, thank you as well. And I'm happy to be part of your initiative in promoting, you know, uh, climate in- information and uh, initiatives in the region.
0: Now tell us a little bit of who Dr. Witty is and what you
1: do. So uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Dr. Zablono Witte and um, I'm a climate services uh, you know uh, expert working with South-South North based in Cape Town. So my co-mandate is uh, in climate uh, services and mm-hmm. uh, the specific activities and uh, initiatives that we implement, uh, you know, include advising users of climate information on correct interpretation and application of available information. We also support integration of climate information into development planning decisions within a number of, you know, sectors. Then um, we also do applied research that assists, you know, development partners designers of climate service programs and be implementers of programs with the uh, uh, information to understand the social, political, and institutional context of service uh, delivery. This, this really helps them to, to really contextualize their programming. We also, uh, you know, do convening and connecting stakeholders across the science policy divide. And uh, For example, through is facilitating new partnerships between climate and adaptation scientists, and different decision making. You know. We also convene learning uh, events, bringing together different stakeholders to you know, facilitate learning. For example, you bring journalists and uh, you know, climate services experts to work together. This really supports the journalists to improve their reporting of climate-related uh, information. So I I think in short, those are the basic activities that we we implement, uh, you know, to really promote climate, uh, you know, adaptation in Africa.
0: Thank you so much. Um, And it's an honor having you on the show. Thank you. Now, a report by the Africa Climate Policy Center of the United Nations Economic Commission for Africa on Economic Growth, Development and Climate Change in Africa stipulates that without action, climate change would impede development across Africa. For example, inaction could cost the Western and Eastern African nations up to 15% of their GDP by 2050. Dr. Owiti, is there something we can do?
1: I agree with you in terms of uh, the impact of uh, you know, climate change uh, on the economy. And uh, the economies are expected to feel the impact of, uh, you know, Climate change, and for example, you know, on the background we are also having changes or increase in the, the population. You know, mm-hmm. not anticipated to affect you know food prices, and uh, even if you look at the, I mean, the insurance industry, the risks will be high. So probably they will have to increase the, the, their premiums. You know, that is another indirect uh, impact in terms of. Uh, you know the economic impact on on on, on the population
0: mm.
1: and of course the probability of floods uh, you know and uh, you know weather events uh, you know destroying food and that means the supply will decrease and when the supply decreases demand goes up and you know naturally the prices uh, you know uh, will shoot. So uh, I totally agree with you that uh, you know uh, a lot of uh, economic impact will be expected from climate change and of course these are things that we are already witnessing you you, you mentioned the electricity during drought so when there is power rationing then you know the, the Kenya power generating company they, they use what is called thermal energy that is they they burn diesel when they burn diesel then there is always a cost of diesel which is in in, you know included in your bill so mm-hmm. and you so know, that means that the electricity cost will increase uh, you mm-hmm. know as a result you know climate change you know impact if you look at the the, the water you know the, the, the water system and uh, sector and water supply you know when there is no water supply in, especially in the urban areas then uh, we have water from the boreholes and these are sold by the water bosses and uh, these are two aspects one the cost is high the second one is we are not sure of the how clean the water is so it has the health aspect as well
0: and sticking with uh, effects of climate change on health over the years nairobi used to be considered a low malaria prone area but as rainfall increases we are seeing high mosquito breeding and also a return of the nairobi fly meaning that local threats of climate change will also um, threaten achieving global goals, such as goal number three of achieving good health and well-being.
1: Yeah, sure. That is, uh, you know, really true. Uh, I remember when I was young and uh, we had came to Nairobi, we were told how cold Nairobi was. And uh, every time people <laughs> travel to Nairobi, they, they used to tell us how cold it is.
0: Yeah, But I think,
1: yeah, things have uh, have, 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 have changed. And I again, I agree with you, you know, Uh, mosquitoes, uh, you know, really thrive at a certain, you know, temperature range, which is, uh, you know, relatively high. So what that means uh, is that, uh, you know, generally the temperatures in Nairobi has has, 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 has increased and, uh, you know, this has created a conducive environment for uh, uh, mosquitoes to, to thrive and, mm-hmm. and 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 hence, uh, you know, we have cases of, uh, of 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 malaria increases in areas, Nairobi and even its environments, yeah. and uh, this is something that also extends to you know uh, agriculture. If you look at uh, the tea and coffee, I mean, tea farming, then tea thrives in uh, you know certain you know temperature ranges, and uh, because of climate change and uh, you know. The the, 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 the the areas that are producing are, are shifting because the temperatures are are increasing. So sometimes they, they have to move up the you know elevation to to, to get the areas that you know uh, tea can 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 thrive and in terms of climate change one of the direct indicators of climate change is the temperature. If you can prove that the temperature is changing, then because climate change is caused by global warming, then that is a direct indicator. You don't need to do any other you know, background research to, to show that uh, you know, it is connected to climate change.
0: Interesting. We've talked about availability of food, both for the coastal region and both for the um, mainland, um, especially cities. Uh, we've talked about issues of energy, infrastructure, flooding, for example, places like Nairobi, cities and stuff. I'm wondering, what can someone listening to us do?
1: I, I think to give it a, a good perspective, I'll start by broadly uh, just explaining w- what can we do to address uh, you know, climate change. Mm-hmm. Then I'll narrow down to what you can do at community level or at individual level. Yeah. So, of course, there is a lot we can do about climate change. And in general, you know, the the, the, the solutions to climate change uh, impacts, you know, our effects are uh, put into two big buckets called mitigation and adaptation. Yeah. So in mitigation, we mean that, uh, you know, we refer to measures to reduce the amount and speed of future climate change and of course we can only do this by reducing the emission of the heat trapping gases the greenhouse gases that I I refer to that Mm. means we will slow down you know the rate of climate change by removing for example carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and Mm. of course when I say removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere it is not simple as that it has a lot of impact and it, if you say removing carbon dioxide, it means a lot to economy of some countries. If you look at uh, the countries that are uh, depending on oil, I mean that means they stop, uh, you know, oil production. That will slow down the economic, uh, you know, uh, development. So, but of course, that uh, that is at, at 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 international and you know national level. We have other you know areas of mitigation like um, you know forest. You know, forests are naturally sink of carbon dioxide. So anytime you cut forests, then you re- you are reducing the sink natural sinks. that means more carbon dioxide will accumulate in the atmosphere. Yeah. So when we do a we reduce forest degradation, we encourage tree planting, then I mean we are, we are doing mitigation of, of climate change because we are we are building a base for the sinks, which is cleaning the atmosphere. Forests are the lungs of the, the the atmosphere. You know, taking away the the choking, you know, carbon dioxide. And of course, uh, you know, the farming practices. The I mean, livestock keeping. We have ways of uh, you know reducing emission of methane. And uh, even farming, when you know you are doing the plowing, this carbon dioxide which is kept underground, and uh, if you you know till the land, then you expose it so uh, there are practices which are uh, they are called climate smart agriculture which we can do at at a local level Mm -hmm. really at individual level like minimum tillage where you 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 reduce the 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 tilling of land but you can still do you know agriculture uh, without exposing co2 uh, you know to the, the atmosphere of course the sources of energy i mean in local areas in Africa, uh, you know, uh, around 70% still uh, they use, uh, you know, fuel from, from, you know, wood. And uh, uh, this is also has been attributed to, uh, you know, deforestation if you do charcoal burning. So if we can shift from those to other sources of, uh, you know, energy, uh, then, uh, I mean, we can contribute in a small way to mitigating, you know. Uh, climate change but with that now I'll move to the second uh, you know uh, way of addressing climate change which is uh, adaptation so adaptation generally means how do we live with the negative impacts of climate change adaptation strategies uh, can be implemented at national level regional level then at local level
0: yeah.
1: I mean uh, you can uh, let's say high temperatures you you, you know you can have cool roofs or you can plant trees air conditioning I mean to cope with the increased you know uh, temperatures at the sea you know in the coastal regions because of uh, sea level rise, you can basically build seawalls and restore wetlands and of course there are places where you have to you know plant or establish mangroves because mangroves, they slow the impact of, you know, the ocean waves or, you know, to reduce flooding. And, of course, generally, preparedness, emergency preparedness and planning uh, that takes change into account is one way to adapt to the increased frequency of of climate, you know, extremes. And, of course, the capacity to anticipate, plan for, and reduce the dangers of, uh, you know, the social changes brought about by climate change, mm. and of course, uh, to say opportunities associated with uh, with these, uh, you know, uh, the changes. So opportunities like uh, in, in in arid, just for example, in arid areas, when we anticipate that the rains would be above normal, then I mean, this will present them opportunities like water harvesting, developing you know water pans to harvest this water, such that. When the rainfall you know ends then they will have water to, 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 to you know to use afterwards so that is an example of how these extremes sometimes provide opportunities because in, in normal rainfall seasons these arid areas uh, they don't receive you know really adequate rainfall to to sustain uh, most of their you know activities
0: what about people in informal settlements
1: what are they really can do to to, to respond for example, a potential flood uh, event. So mm-hmm. this sometimes requires behavior change or, you know, coping mechanisms such as, uh, you know, these are really very basic, but they are the things they can do at, 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 at that level. Of course, there's yeah. what the government can do at, uh, you know, some national level, at a national level in terms of infrastructure to drain water, uh, you know, sanitation systems. But uh, what can they do at that level? I mean, they can, for example, protect their homes with uh, what is the sandbags or dig, you know, temporary drainage trenches, I mean, ditches, or build their homes on raised concrete slabs. Uh, Of course, because they have stayed there for a long time, they have the experience, they know normally where the level of water reaches. So they can have their slabs or foundations raised beyond that level. Mm-hmm. or also i mean some of the floods are they are caused because of the, the the drainage systems are blocked of course this could be the the role of the, the city council or the county you know government but of course they, they can also clear the refuse from the blocked uh, you know storm water uh, drains mm. to, to 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 enable them cope with the, the, the you know the flooding at at, 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 at that level and of course in terms of water resources and uh, you know in drought where there is limited water i mean there are other social change in social you know behavior like uh efficiency in using water because uh, i mean when there's drought the water is uh, is less then they, they need to really change the behavior i mean in urban settings then we may also think of retrofitting and uh, you know our you know the water system in the house <laughs> Such that um, you know, like the faucets, the the the, the taps. You 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 have a tap that you you press, not the ones you turn round. You know, mm-hmm. the one ones that waste a lot of water. Imagine when you are uh, you know you are brushing and you know. So the one that is pressed with the knob, it only water comes out when your hand is on the knob. So you know, th- those are simple things, but uh, in terms of efficiency. Uh, I mean, if everybody does them then uh, the, the contribution can be a lot in terms of uh, adapting to you know less water uh, during due to climate uh, you know change mm-hmm. related impact
0: and, and staying with the cities does gardening like um, balcony gardening help?
1: Sure balcony gardening is, uh, is 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 helping in in both cases both mitigation and uh, you know adaptation and of course uh, you know food security is a major you know uh, uh, resulting from you know uh, climate change so city gardening it it, it it will it will you know increase uh, you know food security but it will also it has elements of cooling the environment so i'm, I'm, I'm looking at a scenario where most people in a, a particular you know locality or you know, estate in a, an urban area, then they do that. Then it will have a, a, a mitigation, both mitigation and a, you know adaptation effects in terms of food security and uh, also moderating high temperatures. And I mean that, that will make us cope cope with the increased temperatures.
0: <clears throat> what about when we building our houses and instead of paving the entire pavement with concrete can we I, I saw somewhere um where instead of having the entire pavement filled up with concrete then you have one one space that is left for green space how can we improve in terms of leaving more space that is more green to ensure that water is absorbed
1: into the soil yeah i think uh, uh, that, that is a you know one way of uh, you know uh, actually addressing this at an urban setting but uh, that really needs uh you know, a policy, I mean, uh, at a national or national level uh, in, in the urban, even the metropolitan. I mean, this could be included in the building codes, such that when you are establishing, you know, a certain type of uh, building, then uh, you are required to leave green spaces where you, you can plant trees, you can have, a, you know, a, a garden. Uh, just like currently we have a, a policy on uh <clears throat> On 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 water heating in the house, and this is just to ensure energy efficiency and uh, you know encourage you know using of solar energy instead of using energy from you know the grid. Mm. So there is currently a, a regulation that requires that if you have a a, a house that uh, I think uses more than one hundred liters per day then um, you need to have a uh, solar the the, the 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 water that is uh, you know used in the house for like in the bathrooms should be from the solar you know the solar heater so that is a policy that is also shifting us towards uh, you know really mitigating climate change because anytime you use more electricity that means you use more water every time you use more water in, in uh, that is in urban setting then you that means you use more electricity. So water and electricity users are directly linked because a lot of energy is used to drive that water to your place, and a lot of water is used also to bring that energy, you know, uh, I mean the electricity to your place. As yes. long as you know, hydropower is still our, our major source of uh, you know energy. So water and mm-hmm. electricity are directly related. You know, if you use high water. More water, more electricity. More electricity, more water. Yeah. So any savings, uh, efficiency in water and efficiency in energy, they benefit from, you know, they benefit each other.
0: We mentioned livestock keeping being a huge contributor to greenhouse gases. What can livestock keepers do to reduce the emissions?
1: The greenhouse gas that they produce is methane. Yes. And you can, you know, methane... um, if you do the biogas, those who are doing biogas at home, they use the waste from the animals. By just trapping the, the waste and using it as a, as a source of energy at home, then you are burning it and you are not exposing it to the atmosphere. Actually, you are using it to, to, to that is also a clean energy.
0: Does it have to be large scale farming, or do I have, if I have just two cows, can I manage to actually do uh, biogas?
1: Yeah, if you have two cows, you can do biogas.
0: So that means for those people who are in agriculture and they have uh, ruminant uh, animals, they can use this available resource at home to generate biogas that they can use for cooking, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, related to this is also the eating habits. I mean, (laughs) just generating the the one kg of meat, it, it uses a lot of water. And besides using that, a lot of water is the, the methane that is directly emitted. So when they, they say one of ways at as, as individual level to, I mean, to mitigate and adapt to climate change is uh, reducing eating habits. If you can shift from eating meat to other, you know, food, then you, you, are, you, are, you are already contributing to mitigation and adaptation. Because yeah. I mean, large scale farming is, uh, is 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 for generally for beef. So if the demand goes down, then the number of livestock we also will reduce.
0: Sticking with behaviour change, probably that means cities also adopting new behaviours such as cycling and walking more often, but then that goes deeper into the transport infrastructure within cities, right?
1: Of course, uh, when we we go into transport sector, there are a lot of elements that we might want to discuss. What you are saying, non-motorised transport. I mean... Change in behavior generally, like carpooling. If you, are, you live in the same estate and you come to town, you know, a group of people, each of us don't need to drive their cars to town. We can do what is called carpooling and say this week we'll be using your car, and, you know, the three of us, we don't use our car. So every week you only use one car instead of four cars. I mean, those are behavior changes that, uh, you know, contribute to, you know, uh, mitigation and reducing the emissions. Of course, the planning of the city, like uh, you know, what is called the the, the bus rapid transport that uh, have its dedicated lane and you know it carries more people than having several you know buses uh, you know small small one. So th- those are ways of and light rails also as well within the towns. They they did congest the roads. They make people really you know not everybody use their cars to town. So. I mean, we are still far from reaching those, uh, but if you go to developed world, you, you witness how you know, they work and even non-motorized transport in developed mm. countries like, uh, you know, Switzerland, Geneva. If you go there, you are amazed. Like Most people are driving, to I mean, are cycling to work and, uh, you know, yeah. use only cars probably over the weekend for family outings. And, uh, yeah. But of course, the Accords, if you look at the road infrastructure, they are provisions for, uh, you know, pathways for cyclists, those who are, you know, walking and, you know, motorcycles. So, I mean, it is provided for, but it also depends with the attitude, you know, it, it needs some attitude.
0: Dr. Witi, thank you so much for your time and sincerely appreciate you coming over and, um you know, taking the opportunity, this opportunity to take us through uh, the definition of climate change, weather, global warming, Um, and also looking into, we've looked into how it affects us and also what we can actually do. And I sincerely appreciate you coming over today and I hope that you will be a regular contributor uh, on this podcast. Uh,
1: Thank you very much for your time as well. And uh, of course, uh, it would be interesting to, you know, contribute to your podcast because uh, one of our mission is to really to spread the gospel of, uh, you know, (laughs) Climate change in terms of adaptation, mitigation, and of course sometime let in future we might also talk about just generally climate services, So you know you know uh, uh, look at it as a service you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: uh, not not the, the scientific and impact, and but how, how is it generated, how is it relayed, what are the challenges? you know, how is it communicated and, you
0: know. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much again. Remember, you can contribute to Africa Climate Conversations by way of asking a question or suggesting a topic you would want to hear discussed. Now, you can find details on how to do so on my contact page on my website, sophimbogwa.com. Next week, we will start on COVID-19 and climate change in Africa. But until then, kwaheri. Do have yourself a lovely, safe, and productive week ahead. Floods, droughts, locusts, climate change. There is a lot going on in and around us in Africa and super fast. We're all seeing and feeling the effect it has on how we eat, move around, and even how we can make a living. For this reason, join me, Sophie Mbogwa, a Kenyan environmental journalist, for our weekly podcast, The Africa Climate Conversations. Africa Climate Conversations aims at helping you understand what climate change is all about, how it affects you and your family, what is being done in Africa, and what you can do to adapt and mitigate to its impacts, no matter where you are in Africa.